Hi, I'm Ian Abernethy and you're listening to Tim Smith on the Kung Fu Podcast. If you're a listener to this podcast, it's safe to say that you have an interest in the modern day practice of the traditional martial arts. Therefore, you may enjoy my own podcast, the imaginatively titled Ian Abernethy Podcast. You can find it in all the usual places and at ianabernethy.com. That's I-A-I-N-A-B-E-R-N-E-T-H-Y dot com. Exploring the culture, the adventure, and the impact of martial arts. That's what Kung Fu Podcast is all about, and I'm your host, T.W. Smith. In today's episode, we're going to be getting deeper insights into the world of martial arts from friend of the program, agent of action, Jamie Club. I believe you'll find some real value in this particular program, particularly as Jamie explains his teaching environment. How does he work now and what he describes as his third phase? What does he enjoy just as much as martial arts? And how does that support and propagate his martial arts message? We're going to discuss as martial artists, why is it so important to extend your knowledge beyond the boundaries of just simply martial arts? We're going to try to corral a definition for martial arts today as an exercise. So get yourself ready and join me as I talk with Mr. Jamie Club. I have a few things here that I wanted to run by you. Uh, first is a uh, lay a backdrop here. So for those folks who are listening, this is Sunday. It's about one o'clock here in Carolina time and 6 p.m. in UK time. That's where you're at, right? What part? Where, where are you at right now? Uh, a place called uh, Heathrop, which is a tiny village on uh, the um, out in the sticks, just outside of a place called Chipping Norton, which is in a place called Oxfordshire, which is uh, uh, sort of south central of England in the in the UK. <laughs> hey, well, it, it, I, it, one of those sounded like one of the places I heard about in the Last Kingdom. Uh, yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, it is like that. Are you a Bernard Cornwell fan as well? Are you? <laughs> yeah. Well. You know, yeah. I, I recently found out, you know, I'm, my family is one of the, uh, I'm called a son of the revolution. Basically, w- one of my uh, sixth, seventh generations back, great grandparents uh, was from Wessex and, okay. uh, and fought uh, and left and fought with George Washington here mm-hmm. during the Revolutionary War. Uh, so okay. I've actually had to get all my stuff lined up to be recognized in that system uh, genealogy but anyway that was an interesting find so it made the uh watching the last kingdom a little bit more interesting to me yeah 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 yeah, absolutely it's a totally different perspective (laughs) it gives you yes absolutely but uh first uh sundays here at my martial arts facility is one of my busiest days i started about my first lesson starts around 6 30 a.m uh, actually, I will have one more lesson after you and I have a conversation. And it is pretty much back-to-back lessons from 6.30 till about 3. Uh, it just kind of developed that way over the years being here. And uh, so I was in between lessons, and that's part of the reasons why I had to go mobile, because I still have some folks downstairs doing some training. Do you have like a brick-and-mortar school? Do you... You know, I, I see so all these things. Are you primarily on the road teaching, going to different facilities? How do you how do you teach now? 
Um, yeah, it's um, quite an unusual one to be to be fair. I mean, I, I don't I don't run um, a regular club anymore. Um, I, I did for years. Um, I've done it. In, I've had several different uh, periods when I've had a career as a martial arts teacher, um, and uh, this is probably. If you if you really have to sort of uh, categorize it, this would I would call be my third phase. Uh, and my third phase is teaching what I like to teach um, at, to private uh, clients. So they're either one to one or small groups or seminars and workshops um, facilitating either people in the uh, in, in, in the corporate um, or security sector or, or, or martial arts clubs in most cases. Um, okay. So, um, I, I, so I don't run a regular a regular class anymore. When I say you want to talk about bricks and mortar, um, I do have um, one or two crazy clients who decide they want to come and train back at my home. Now, because um, usually <laughs> I go out to their house, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, and I say to them, it's rough, <laughs> mm. and they're going, yeah, 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 sure, sure. And they've got images of Rocky Four and all this sort of thing going through their head, and, mm. and they turn up and they go. Ah yes, <laughs> okay. you weren't joking. You weren't, you weren't kidding, were you? <laughs> I say it's a stable, and it's uh, it is. It's a gutted stable. It's a stable that uh, uh, used to have horses in them, and uh, okay. it doesn't have any more. And uh, yeah, and we're we're in one of those at the moment, and that's that's what I teach um, the students who who are who uh, um, it doesn't uh, suit them for me to come to their house, or it doesn't suit them to uh, book out a venue for us to train in. They come and train back in here because that that's uh, and that all came from. Funnily enough, one of my earlier private clients, when I moved out of teaching a regular club, um, I, one of my earlier private clients said, um, well, I've got no room for you to teach me back here and I can't afford to rent out a, a venue. Therefore, um, I'd like to come, come and train with you um, over where you do. What would you do with your own training? I'm going, well, what do I do with my own training? And that really was like turning it back on to me. And I was going, well, I really had to sort of adapt. You know, I'm, I'm, I live on a zoo, an, an actual an actual zoo, a, a private zoo that trains and supplies animals to the film industry. So my parents run. So my house was built. Um, and, um, you know, and I'd always trained in barns and, uh, you know, working around other people, if you know what I mean. You know, you know, I'd be in a, you know, I've got a, even now, you know, I've got a place where all my weights and my bags have, um, hung up. And then the other half of the, of, of the place is, is a workshop, you know, it's just used as a workshop. And that's where I, I do my own sort of like personal training. Um, uh, and then, you know, and, and so I, I brought them there and I, I train them out. So otherwise I'm training outside. I do a lot of outside training just, just through necessity, not necessarily, mm. not through choice, I have to say. I mean, I know you enjoy your outdoor training, but I kind of just did it just because I, I had no other choice, if you know what right, I mean. Right. So, uh, yeah, so, um, you know, and I braced it and uh, and then and then this uh, space came up in one of the stables and I claimed it. And, mm. and uh, I started... I, you know, they turn up there and, and train there we put the mats down uh, but it's yeah it's as rough and ready as you can imagine it that, that kind okay. of that kind of environment um so um yeah in the future yeah i'd love to build my own little private gym back here just completely allocated um for teaching clients and also my own personal training but it's kind of just adapting around uh barns and uh, a stable back here and then the rest of the time mm. I'm, I'm, training, I'm training at clients houses most of the time so about 80 percent okay. of my stuff is training at people's well, places so now that that description, first of all, if you're a martial arts instructor, you know, what you just heard Jamie describe was the ability to stay flexible. You know, if it's something that you're planning to do part time, full time, getting a brick and mortar facility is not the only way to go about it. And, uh, you know, when I first began, I just I trained literally outside because that's where I well, one, that's how we were taught. The uh, 75 to 85 percent of my training was 
taught outside, and that was mostly because that's where the boys who the Army guys like to practice anyway. Getting inside every now and then was really nice, and it, I have to blend it up uh, and get outside some, stay inside some, uh, so I keep a realistic uh, uh, point of view, you know, because, you know, one thing about going outside, when you have to, uh, for example, keep your feet out there because there's fire ants and sand spurs, uh, you know, those it, it makes a difference, right? There's no there's no getting on the ground and staying there. Uh, that's awesome. Now, do you do this with your martial arts training as you described it? I'm, I'm envisioning 20 hours a week, 30 hours a week kind of are you still working with the zoo a little part time as well? Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, yeah, I've, um, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I said it's my parents, my parents' business. So I, I work in the office at the zoo. Okay. I mean, I've done. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I've worked actually hands-on in the zoo. Of course, I mean, when you're growing up and sort of like when we changed from being on the traveling circus, and then we 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 built the zoo here, and uh, and you kind of you, you have to do that. And uh, and was a, was a time when I was working half in the the actual zoo itself, and also in the office. These days, I'm I'm just in the office, and I'm I'm jumping between um, the work in the office with doing my own um, uh, my own business with the martial arts, obviously, mm-hmm. and, and of course, and of course, I've got my family life as well. So it's like sure, uh, yeah, so a bit of a you know, it's a bit of a juggling act. The aspect, one of the aspects too that I noticed that you really uh, really admire you with is your your writing. First, your blogs are always great. I, I try to catch them whenever I see them scroll through on my Twitter feed. Or on the Facebook, and I, I really enjoy you. You spend uh, a good part of your ability to communicate is well done through the writing. Is that something that you took classes in? Or is it something you just kind of kept crafting until you felt comfortable with it? Um, I, I, I love writing. I, I won't make no. I won't make any bones about it. I mean, I I, I love writing as much as I as I love martial arts. Uh, it, it's uh, it's something I've um, I've always been keen on. I'm, I'm a big reader, um, and um, I'm an omnivorous reader. You know, I read uh, a, a you know a variety of different uh, subjects, fiction, nonfiction. Um, I've always liked it. Um, I've always thought uh, it's you know it's an area that. Um, I'm not skilled in many things, but, uh, but 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 writing is one of the things that I've, I just enjoy doing the most, and it's one of the things I really like to use as a communication device. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. My uh, I, I love writing an article, I love writing an essay, um, I love writing a book. Um, but uh, the, the, my most regular blogs that you'll see on the website are lesson reports, and that came from. Uh, I started doing that round about 2003, before I was even teaching the, the Club Chimera brand, you know, which is my, you know, my brand, my own, my, my own brand. Um, and all I was doing there was I was just uh, writing down everything I was doing, I was training. And I became quite obsessive about doing that every day, whenever I was training, no matter how small, no matter how big. So if I went to a class and, and, uh, and of course, you know, you know, I've done a lot of cross training. That's kind of, you know, been my, you know, my basis, so to speak. You know, people talk about their foundation style. My, my foundation style really is is cross training. <laughs> it's quite, mm-hmm. uh, it's quite unusual in that sort of respect. But so, um, you know, I needed to record a lot of information. So I was doing that, and it became it became sort of like part of the discipline, so to speak. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I record that. I want to get that back in there. And it, um, so uh, I was I was recording these. And, uh, and then when I started teaching, I thought, well, I might as well record what I'm teaching as well. And then as time went on uh, and I started to think, you know what? Well, you know, I've got a website, you know, I've got a blog. 
um, you know, why, why don't I make some of these diary entries public? You know, why don't sure. I just, you know, it's going to melt. It's going to help my students. I don't have to mention anyone by name. Um, you know, it can, we can just talk about the content of the material that we're, that we're, we're covering. Um, and, uh, and that's exactly what I did. And that became it. And then so obviously when I moved out of running the club and I had private clients, this became part of the whole service. You know, you um, and it also helped my other clients then they could they could read it through their social media and get a connection. there, And also it could reach out to people such as yourself and, and, and could see what, what I'm doing. And, you know, I'd get good feedback from other people. And it's all um, it, it became like all part of the, the, the process, so to speak. So that developed. Mm-hmm. I mean, the actual writing itself. I've got a passion for writing, but you know, you okay. know, full stock. You know, that, you know, that hadn't just that, that didn't just develop from me just writing the diaries or writing the uh, the things like that. I I love writing. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, okay. And yeah, so one of the things I noticed uh, in your writing is that you could tell that you practiced the skill of it. That was that was something that got my attention because, uh, you know, just as much as we had talked about earlier, if you're a martial arts instructor, you want to kind of learn how to. Uh, take your craft and meet people out. One of the biggest things though, that most independent martial artists having people to be able to find you requires that you have to have a voice of some kind. Uh, My voice I practiced and it just so happens I found what I felt like was a comfortable niche using microphones and systems and being able to communicate through my voice, different things. But when I saw your writings uh, on the blog, and then when I read a couple of your books, the first thing that jumped out to me is going, he's practiced the skill of writing. Uh, Ian Abernathy has his own skills. You know, he's great at certain instructional videos. He's got his own type of voice and things like that that he does very well. Uh, you know, that's one of the things I think a lot of times martial arts instructors, for example, will overlook. They won't put an emphasis on creating a voice of whatever they're most comfortable with uh, as much as, like you said, you love your writing as, as much as you do your martial arts. Yeah, it's funny you should say that because um, I mean that brings us on to like you know you talk about playing to playing to to one's strengths. Um, uh, you know, yeah, writing is is the, is the is one of the best ways. And that and I and I realized I thought like you know of all the things that I can do, that's the one thing I know I can use as a medium to get across to people. And that's the one thing I know I can really do. I'm starting to you know get to grips with videos and um, and obviously the podcasting and all that mm-hmm. kind of thing. I'm learning all that. I'm you know I'm I'm, I'm burgeoning you know on all that side of it. I'm, I'm on a very steep learning curve with all of that kind of material. Um, but writing was always my you know as I said it, it was always my thing. I mean that it, it, it was the one thing I could nail down when I was at school. It was it was writing and before that it was storytelling. You know we were on the circus. Everyone used to love telling you know verbal you know stories. You know it would be um, mm. and uh, and all that kind of thing. So I suppose it, it, you know it, it probably was a natural um, progression out of that. But on that subject of playing to a person's strengths, um, this is what I try to do when I when I work with my clients. Um, this is why I love private lessons. This is why I mean a lot of martial arts teachers really don't like private lessons. They don't. I don't think they're, they're always that comfortable with that kind of environment for some reason um, or other. And that's a, that's a topic, you know, in itself. But um, what, what I try to do when, I, when I'm working with a client is, you know, understanding what their occupation is, understanding what their passion is alongside martial arts. Because, mm-hmm. um, because this is what makes martial artists often interesting. What I find makes a very interesting martial artist is, is not just their interest in the martial arts, it's what is outside of their martial arts. What is that part of it? How does that you know that, that's when you really start finding it because if you, you know if, if all your interest is purely purely martial arts it, it kind of works against itself in, in a way in a, mm-hmm. in a sort of um 
you know, it, it, you become insular, you know, you become very much, and then you're being informed by martial artists. Your writing mm-hmm. is being informed by martial artists. And, mm-hmm. and, and it, it goes down, it, it can deteriorate. Whereas if you look at all the great pioneers in the martial arts world, they, they did other things. And those other sure. things then, that then, you know, gave the flavor to the martial arts. They gave it another dimension uh, and they put it in another way and they progressed, you know, the training and their students benefited from that progress of training. Now, for me, you know, part of my, you know, CSI approach, clarification, skepticism, individuality, when I get to the individuality part of it, when I'm putting the person at the center, rather than trying to find, you know, a different teaching method, which is, you know, as we know, is a, is a fallacy. You know, you, you, you can't, you know, this idea that you have to use a different teaching method for every different student, you know, it's, it's, it's nonsense. It's not productive. It's, it, it hasn't stood up to scrutiny um, or any sort of peer-reviewed, you know, research. It's very much a sort of, it's a wish fulfillment sort of thing with the, who um, have taken that kind of uh, individualism, you know, too far, in, in my mind anyway, in my, my mm-hmm. view, and also what the data is showing us. But when we come to when I talk about individuality and actually putting the student at the centre of of what they do with their teaching, um, part of that is making an attachment to their other passions, the other things that they really really like. So I've got you know one of my clients is a carpenter. So you know this we'll stop and we'll look at either actions that um, illustrate you know you know very 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 crude very literal sort of you know muscle memory points of view. I mean you know almost getting into karate kid territory here if you know if you know what I mean. But like mm-hmm. you know. The soaring action and the right cross, you know what I mean. For example, you know mm-hmm. it's, it's quite it's, it's quite a simple you know way to look at it. You know, especially if you start looking at um, you know repetitive you know right crosses when you're teaching it from very much a self defense perspective. You know where you just like teaching someone to hammer in that straight uh, that straight rear hand again and again and again. You know it's like a soaring action. But also when you start talking about structures, when we're talking about uh, angles, um, you know strength of structure. You know when you're doing something like a, a cover or something like that. You know all these things. When you start talking to them and, and explain, and he then can explain back to me, you know how this works in carpentry. So I might have like some misconception about carpentry. I don't know anything about carpentry. I'm not a very good DIY guy at all. <laughs> I'm the worst person to come to on that side. Let's get that completely straight. When I told you I'm a man of limited skills. False uh, what, that wasn't that, that wasn't false, but modestly. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, and so uh, yeah, yeah the, the chimera in my symbol isn't just for multi-style. It's for chaos too. You know. So, um, so yeah. So so I, I you know I'll, I'll struggle and you know a way to try and find a way of connection with carpentry. And then he'll start explaining to me the thing to come. That's where the magic happens. You, you start like oh no 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 this is you know, and he'll explain all these different, uh, uh, you know, things about carpentry, and I'll be listening to that, and then I'll just, you know, and then he'll start making the connection himself, and it's not me going, ah, well, what you see, you just explain this to me, and I can revelation. That's not the magic. The magic is when he starts going, this is the fulcrum. This is the, you know, this is mm-hmm. what, this is the structure. This is the part of it, and you can see it. This is where the joint lock really works. This mm-hmm. is how mm-hmm. positioning and all this kind of thing and you know and you've got other ones you know they've got you know with a say you know a vast variety of different backgrounds and ideas and and um and you can and it's great when you find those things because they are the you know they can you play to your strength and, and you can um you know it's, it's it's not just using you know your and as an instructor it's great like writing I've, I've found that as being my way i thought i'll just keep writing i'll just keep writing because i know that's my one thing that i know i can do well you know yeah. in order to get across there or, or to a certain degree well, I, I want to yeah. capture that for just a second, because uh, yeah. one of the things, irregardless, you know, I tell my son, if there's only one skill in writing that he must really consider mastering as he grows into an adult is the ability to tell a story, a short story. Every mm-hmm. resume you write, every introduction you make, anything that you ever do in your life is going to begin usually 
with a short story. And if you're planning to capture anyone's attention, no matter which voice you use, whether it's a personal voice, the inflections of your voice, whether you're writing, grammatical type of effect like you have. When I read your writing, it's almost like you're describing, I, I could be there uh, envisioning it. Everybody has their own voice, but that ability to tell a story is a skill that you, you can't minimize the importance and the ability to tell a story. No, and, when, and again, this is often the most memorable teachers are often the ones who do tell the stories, don't they? I mean, this is often the thing we really hear back. And this is what you're finding. You know, I'm fascinated with all the scholarly research that you've been done on the, the historical uh, literature. I mean, that's really proving to be very, very important for some of my research in the uh, the Bullshitsu series of books, so to speak. Because, <laughs> because yeah. oh, well, it's great because, of course, it, it's all there. You know what I mean? It's the you know, the, in the primary source material we're seeing it in the training manuals and we're we're getting these these wonderful academics that are you know are just you know piecing together so much information and 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 uh, debunking you know all the myths and, and all that side of it all and you, you look back at that but you also find that i'm often you know especially when i promote things like critical thinking and skepticism to most people that's like announcing that you're a party pooper right you know what i mean it's like saying oh, <laughs> you know what i mean it's like oh shit. You know? yeah. and i, I there's my conversations i have and you know and i'm easygoing sort of guy i'm a laid-back sort of guy i mean maybe i'm passive even to a certain degree um and i'll be there chatting away and i'll you know and i have a live and let live attitude for most of it. i'm not that you know i'm i become an argent provocateur but i select my battles if you know what i mean most of the time in the social setting i don't like to ruin the, the dinner party do you know what i mean but then mm. when somebody then kind of goes so jamie what do you really think about uh, electromagnetic fields being used by people and mm. the look on my face and everyone's going oh crap do you really want no. <laughs> you know, we, we, we had to go there you know i used to have this motto in my early 20s uh, and it, it basically went something it's very simple don't ask me questions that you really don't want me to answer. Yeah, you know, exactly. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah. well, one, I appreciate your uh, your compliment there about the historical research. I, I got to tell you, that in itself was an exercise that I had gone through probably about, I want to say, several years before I even started the podcast. And Ian was the one who uh, was a catalyst for me to start the podcast. And he didn't do it directly. He did it indirectly. And that was an interesting uh, piece onto itself, but uh, yeah. the uh, the idea that uh, I was trying to take all this academic research into somehow as much as I could redigest it into a way that made sense. You know, I mean, a lot of times when you read academic literature, it is very dry. It's very just dot dash yeah. dot dash right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, it, yeah, it is hard work, and, and you do you achieve that really, really well. I mean, I mean, certainly by the way that you format your shows, and also when you just stop and you just go, okay, now this is this is what he's trying to say, or this is what is is, is coming apart. You know, and the fact is, is that you know when I first started listening to Kung Fu podcasts, I mean, it had a um, straight away the hook on it. I can see what you're going for there. You know, you, you know that's a really, really effective title. But it it's kind of like. Um, Okay, I've got uh, one or two books in my collection, and I'm, as I say, I'm an omnivorous collector of of, of books. In but amongst those books, you've got a few of them that you think are just airport, you know, pop psychology or or, or, or um, pulp nonfiction. That's a great term uh, that, that that you see turning up, and actually they're not. They're often, the title uh, is sensationalist, but what's it doesn't um, doesn't do justice to the content, if you know what I mean. It's a wonderful mm -hmm. hook. This is something that Jeff Thompson told me about years ago. You know, he sometimes said, you know, 
it doesn't matter what the bait is and what the hook is and that as long as you get them in there and then you can actually you can then unpack you know your important story mm. and this is what i have to tell with kung fu podcast if you look at kung fu podcast i'm going to go you know i didn't know about you i mean obviously you know i've seen the recommendations from ian and i've seen that connection there and then we i think we may have had one or two comments online on twitter mm. and i was going yeah this is good and i listened to one and i was, I was about and, and you were explaining a few things and, and i started listening to all the you know like the new scientific research that you were bringing up about certain things things and i was going oh my god this is you know this is, this is one of us you know so to speak <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I was going, oh, god, for that i was expecting to hear someone talking about you know chi masters and uh, you know oh, and electromagnetic no, fields no. well, and all that sort well, of thing you, I, thought, I thought oh no you hit something there i have actually struggled and i uh, i've spoke with ian about this and i've spoke spoke to uh, dr ben junkins about this there's been a few times and i still maintain uh, a domain yeah. domain collection of names i've i have Oftentimes thought about changing the name of wow. Kung Fu Podcast to Martial Arts Podcast or, I don't know. I, I, well, Martial Arts Podcast was actually the one I was planning to go with. Sure. Uh, yeah. And, uh, but then, you know, Dr. Jenkins, he just said, Tim, you know, he said, my, my blog is called Kung Fu Tea. And every version yeah. of Martial Artist comes to my blog every month. He said, you know, once they get the name and they get yeah. the message, They'll come no matter what the title of it is, and I so far I've just okay. kind of stuck with it. Um, now I think it's I think it's doing well, and I think I quite like the fact that it's uh, it's almost you know it's a bit of understanding. It, it isn't um, it, you know you could. You know, it, it could be I mean, okay martial arts podcast and you know, then you know maybe that works but again the kung fu is going to got that it's a bit of a almost got a fun kind of st- sort of sure. thing to it so you're not you're not it's not intimidating to necessarily to a person but you know straight away you know obviously you get a lot of people who aren't who don't study chinese martial arts they might suddenly stop and think oh um that's not my kind of thing i'm not into you know kung right. fu and not, some of my sort of stuff like that but you know, it's. Um, I mean, and that's the only thing that I would think that that would do well, that. But but it's a very generic term. I mean, get the word kung fu. You know, for many years has been a name for you know martial a type of martial arts action film, hasn't it? You know, not mm-hmm, just sure. not, not just Chinese martial arts action. People say kung fu. I mean, let's get a kung fu film out or and kung fu. I just remember in our video library back in the days when they had video libraries. You know, they'd have the kung fu section. Do you know what I mean? The kung fu section mm-hmm. wouldn't. Have exclusively chinese martial arts movies it would be a mixture of any sort of film that fit, that fitted within the martial arts action genre so yeah i think it's a great hook i think it's um and really nice branding as well um and i just like the way it's it sort of hooks people in and you, you're giving them the insight there's that nice sort of uh that balance that you get there where you're getting actually good scholarly i mean you're really i mean there's some great stuff that you've got up there that you've reproduced where that, um uh you know you've had lectures you know you you know and um you know that, that, you've, that you've put up there too and uh and it's surprisingly just how you just get pulled into that and it's just mm. um <laughs> and so, and so, yeah, without being without being too much dry you know too dry and too too sure. um uh, you know you know oppressive and and yeah i said yeah some of the best books i've read i'll have to you know make no bones about it. some of the best books i've read often are those that uh you know give the impression okay I, I, one i've just one i'm uh, reading at the moment that that's p- p- providing to be a bit of research for my um my wearable um, trilogy of podcasts at the moment um is a book by uh, kevin dutton called the wisdom of psychopaths and you look at the front cover it's bright pink um and <laughs> And, and it's called the wisdom of psych. I bought it in an airport. There you go. So, so, so straight away, it, it gives you the impression, you know, 
this is going to be pop psychology, right? You know, this is going to be, you know, uh, uh, and it's actually really well researched. It's proper, you know, it's really, really well researched. It's, it's constantly, you know, it's, it's working on, it's all, all the, all the papers are cited there. You know, this is proper, you know, it, it's written by a, uh, a professor of a university. You know, he doesn't call himself Dr. Kevin Dutton, but that's what he is. You know what I mean? He's a professor mm. of a university. Uh, you know so and it's all that and he's working with other professors with other people who work directly with psychopaths and it's you know i was expecting it to be some you know sort of you know uh, i don't know sort of some fun sort of self-help book that i you know i often read for you know probably a masochistic side of my own personality just so i can just go oh, for god's sake this is awful you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, know mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. movies as well so you know i'm, I'm, I'm mm. kind of side to me you know um but mm. uh, but 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 it, but it was really surprised and it's a really really well written book and i'm going okay i'm you know that's that's uh that's they'll, they'll teach me to be a snob you know what i mean <laughs> well well i wanted a couple i made a couple notes here first is that when i first started the name kung fu podcast i actually started it from the way it was uh, the way it was taught with me which is basically in my mind had didn't have as much to do with chinese martial arts as it just simply did about the pursuit of excellence throughout martial arts that that's where that name started with and that you already answered one question I had, uh, which was uh, what you're currently reading. And I wanted to tell you that uh, basically I'm in the middle. Uh, I'm doing a book review for John Bluestein's book, uh, The Martial Arts Teacher, which is uh-huh. a it's a it's a it's a good read. He's uh, he's done a good job. I'm not going to you know uh, no spoiler alerts are going to be necessary, but uh, he's done a good job in doing some research on some different areas. He's got a Chinese background. Uh, Chinese martial arts background and uh, has some cultural components to it. But interestingly enough, it's not about how to teach martial arts as much as is. Uh, here's here's some ideas about what a martial arts teacher could incorporate or consider when they're training and doing some other things. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing that. He's he's uh, been on me for a while about trying to get it read. And to be honest with you, I've been I have not been slowing down at all. I've just been trying to yeah. organize my thoughts. I don't know. Are you the kind of person that has uh, several books though on the go? Because I, I am. I often have about three or four books, all with all with book, book markers in different places. I mean, maybe that's yeah. a reflection of my primary um, cross training. But that's are you are you that? <laughs> well, I, I, interesting. I have a couple of books that I call uh, just basically pick up and think on. Right. So I have like uh, the Tibetan Book of yeah. Living and Dying. And that's one of those books yeah. I don't progressively read. I just pick up uh, whatever page I open it up to. That's the page I'll consider for the next you know, week or so during my thoughts. Another book that's like that is The 48 Laws of Power. Right. And that, that's another one of those books where you just flip over. You know, it tells you a great story where somebody yeah. did the right thing or they didn't do the right thing. And that's the type of thing. But uh, when it comes to some of the other martial arts books, or a lot, I'm reading academic essays all the time the thing i struggle with is that uh i didn't have the language muscle i mean you know i had never i'm i'm from an exercise physiology background so when you're talking biomechanics or forces and velocities and power as far as the the human body is concerned that's what i did my graduate work in i'm I'm very comfortable with that when you start talking about anthropology sociology uh, yeah. you know, political science and all this other stuff, mm-hmm. and they use language in terms like a lawyer does that yeah. then specific to their field. I'm sitting there going, I have no idea what that is. I spent more time looking up words, trying to figure out what the word meant so that I could somehow translate it to something that would mean something to me, which yeah. I just yeah, I, 
Yeah, I'm, I've often got that. I've often got a book there and a dictionary right next door to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. exactly. I, I make no, I make no bond. I mean, for a person who who uh, you know who enjoys um, you know writing and enjoy, and loves language, I and mean, I love I mean, English language. I'm uh, you know I'm embarrassed to admit my 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 language outside of English is terrible. But uh, but even in English language, you know, just to, you know, I'm forever discovering you know either you know new words or 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 or, or um, phrases or something that I'm unfamiliar with and that kind of thing and it's funny how you know again but what we do i often feel that it drives you to learn new skills new new knowledge Mm -hmm. you know because you find out how much that we're doing is you know the the scope it's important to explore that scope you know and that that really is where you get that you know that that progress and it's funny you should say that about um you see i was never scientifically minded this is this is the point i made when i did my interview with ian uh ian abernethy um, you know the, the godfather of martial arts podcasts as he shall be known <laughs> <laughs> uh, talking to you we're, we're all Ian's children aren't we really <laughs> he's now got he has he spread his podcast seeds far and wide and there's this huge, huge community now of, of uh of martial arts uh, podcasters uh, for good or for bad so um you know he'll either be uh, <laughs> revered as the, uh, the great podcaster godfather um or the demise of of, of martial arts or <laughs> i don't know whichever you know but it's, it's down to us you know you know we get to um and things that we come to like that scientifically minded um uh, you know and I, sp- sp- I explained this to ian i said uh, uh, you know i'm a romantic at heart you know, this is just it, you know, because it's interesting how you picked up on with my writing. You know, you said that, you know, you're interested in, uh, you know, how writing was such a big part of what I did. Well, you know, I wasn't a rational minded, um, scientifically minded person. You know, a lot of people, they, they see some of the stuff that I push. I always say I'm a cheerleader for science. You know, I'm not a mm. I'm not a uh, I'm not a scientist. I'm not, you know, my, you know, I'm, my maths is terrible. You know, I have to go mm. through to my, you know, my daughter's in primary school at the moment and, you know, well, I'm having to relearn all this stuff, you know, when, when she's going through her homework, you know, uh, which has been fine for me, but it's quite embarrassing at times. But, you know, so, you know, I'm not naturally inclined towards science. It's something that I kind of, that along the way, between martial arts and, and other areas in my life, um, I suddenly realized, you know what, you're going to have to start learning this. You're going to have to start understanding this um, because, you know, you have to make separations. You know, I, storytelling is a wonderful, wonderful way to convey ideas, particularly abstract ideas, ideas, ideas mm-hmm. that people can't, you know, it, you know, if you want people to relate to things then sometimes you have to use an abstract concept, this is why, you know, fables have endured. This is why parables have endured. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, 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 you know, why the fictional story, you know, sometimes there's so much you can get out of a fictional story, you know, it's in these, and you see this in the arts, don't you, you know, you can watch maybe like five or six documentaries that are really, really good, really informative, really, really, really good. And then you get to see like a fictional reconstruction, so we say, or, or a program that's been inspired a film or, um, a TV show or something like that has been inspired by real events. And that's the one that really touches you, you know what I mean, out of all mm-hmm. of them, because the actors, because the art and, and, and the rhythm and, the, and it's, uh, you know, so it's good for using that as abstract, uh, you know, you know, method. With you having to change, you know, your disciplines, you know, where you're, um, you know, you've got your biomechanics background, you've got your physiological sort of background, and now, now suddenly you're having to get into more onto the, uh, the, the psychological, the neuroscience, the sociology, mm-hmm. the political 
which again, and it all has a relevance in martial arts. You know, you, you know, sure. people would stop and think, think uh, you know, what does you know, what does political science got to do with martial arts? Well, loads. <laughs> you know, yeah. in fact, it's shaped entire, you know, the institution of martial arts. You know, mm. you know, political science has. There's no doubt about it. You know, a lot of things that you've interpreted, people wrongly interpret as being uh, traditional martial arts, is shaped by political science. It's, it's mm-hmm. shaped by certain drivers not, you know that, that we have in society and so you, you have to force it so the same thing with me i had to embrace the even if i didn't completely understand the science even if i didn't you know wasn't ever going to be scientifically minded um or mathematically minded i had to respect the scientific method and this was kind of the thing that i noticed was missing so you'd find martial artists who again would have a you know maybe a good grasp of you know physical science so to speak uh, and they use a lot of science to explain why their system was great and why it was better than others. But um, they weren't following the scientific method. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it was science mm. there. And this is kind of thing I was kind of because it's a difference between, you know, having some having science within your uh, service, within your product, within your art. But but it's no good if, if what you're doing isn't actually guided by the scientific method and that's where it's falling apart and that's where what you're doing there is you're teaching an ideology now then you're teaching uh you know you're teaching you, te- you, know, you can argue you're teaching an art there's no problem with that but you know the arts and science you know they don't always you know, you know they're often at very different ends of the spectrum i mean there's plenty of talk we can talk about overlap but you know in sure. general broad terms you know uh, you know unless you're an architect you, you tend to be, you know, on one side or the other. You know, you know, this is what tends to happen with people. And I'm very much, I've been on the art side, um, mm-hmm. and um, but I, but somewhere along the line, especially, I think it's because it was the reality-based stuff. It was because I was getting, you know, the real side of it. You know, I, I'd got mm-hmm. to the stage when I I'd stopped becoming a performer, um, and I was mm-hmm. then saying, look, I really want my training to, um, you know, to actually, you know, be what it was there for in the first place. And that's when I you know it came across the you know the whole reality-based movement um i got into that quite heavily and made some great friends and had some good teachers um but as i was doing that i was kind of like okay well how far does this go and then and, and then you know with, and with the whole sort of pragmatism and so and and you know not long it wasn't long before i started realizing well in philosophical terms what we're looking at here is critical thinking and so i started looking at critical thinking and i started you know understanding that uh, you know on, on a formal basis at least and the whole skeptical movement and so on and then i shone a light on it and i started to go oh my god the reality-based world is 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 just as you know guilty as committing the crimes as as all the other tribes in martial arts are you know it's just as guilty as the traditionalists just as guilty as uh, the people in the sports world you know which have all got you know they're all wonderful and you know and i've never comfortably fit, fitted in, in any of those three camps you know if I, if I had to divide the martial arts world up and i know there's overlap between them all sports uh, traditionalism and self-defense you know reality-based self-defense if, um you know culture-wise i'm talking about here um you know they, they're all often you know leave the scientific method do you know what i mean they often leave that that sea and they leave critical thinking and that's when you start seeing and that's when you start seeing oh this is where we've got the problems this is often where you keep seeing all the uh this is actually where the criticism will come from other people often because they'll mm. because this is what's happened you know and it's um mm. that kind of led me to do that but having to but but i had to sort of step outside of my own comfort zone you know i was hearing all the time mm. i was preaching about so comfort zones you step outside your comfort zone to get stronger you step outside your comfort zone 
to get uh, familiar with contact training, you know, um, resistance-based training, pressure testing, all that kind of thing. But then also you've got to step outside your comfort zone in terms of what you're teaching. And this is interesting because this brings me back to what you just said about your um, your colleague who's, um, who, who's uh, lent you his first draft of book on teaching. We haven't got enough books like that in the world, mm. I'd have to say. No, no, I was just thinking that uh, what you just said there is part of the reason as, as you and I are talking, I'm trying to convey to the martial arts teachers, whether they're, you, whether, you know, whether you're listening to this particular program and you're not a teacher at this point, or like for myself, I never aspired to be a teacher. I was never mm-hmm. interested in teaching. I had so much to work on. I just, I, teaching was just so far beyond the horizon. Uh, and then one day I needed a place to practice and all of a sudden I'm becoming a teacher. My Sifu, my, my teacher had encouraged me to teach, but I didn't, it wasn't something I was interested in at the time. But as we are, as we're moving forward with this, one of the things that you brought up is uh, something that Confucius would often talk about is, uh, you know, learning how to, when you're studying something, your curiosity will lead you into extending the knowledge that you learn something, but you to learn it even deeper, you have to extend your knowledge into another area yes. in order to 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 come into a different perspective or terms with it. Which leads me to a question for you. If you were going to define what you think of as martial arts, how would you put that in writing in let's say a sentence or two? Yeah, that is the that is often, you know, that's the question. You know, I, I've seen it pop up on your podcast a couple of times now about, you know, what are we talking about? Define, you know, what, 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 in what context are we defining martial? I've heard this, you say this a few times on your podcast. You sure, know, because it's always said. important if I'm going to have a conversation. Uh, uh, just yeah. real quickly, Dr. Yeah. Ben Juckins, the first time I ever spoke with him and he and I were writing, every time I write with him, the first thing he does to me is he'll say, Tim, I need you to define what it means you mean by. And so what turned out to be one, a one sentence question ends up being a three paragraph correspondence yes. because I haven't I'll, defined well enough. And he won't talk with me unless I've defined the parameters to which we were discussing. It's a, it's well, a wonderful exercise. Yeah, it, it is a wonderful exercise, and that's the trouble. Is and I think martial arts are all about context. I mean, to, to try to think of an actual sentence to do that, um, it is hard well, because my definition of martial arts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you two or three sentences I, I, because I had this conversation earlier today with a student in a lesson today, which was based on the previous podcast. Was like, for example. They came up and he was saying, well, you know, when we're in dance and I've and I've taken a lot of the things I learned in the martial arts. And he said that that he had translated that into some of his dance and things along those lines. And this is how he you know, interprets it. And I and I reminded him, I said, look, this is excellent. I said, but as long as you're practicing martial arts here, you know, I want you to we need to make sure that we have some definitions that we're operating with today. You know, we may yeah. sit down and talk about it, but for right now, here's what, how we're going to base this. So that's why I wanted to hear what your definition of how you might try to define it today. Yeah, it would it would be it, 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 as I say, it, the difficulty is, as I said, it is it is it is contextual uh, because, um, you know, every time I've seen a definition of martial arts, I've gone the term, um, I, I think, um, 
this the, I've seen two origins for the term. One was in one was in relation, funnily enough, to I think uh, to with battleships, <laughs> and then the other something connected to Bushido when people were trying to derive, derive it from the term Bushido. That's the earliest sort of like um, I'd have to have a look back on that again. And I also start one of my essays. I can't remember which one it was, but I start one of my essays with this problem with defining what is a martial art. Um, and one of the things <laughs> that threw people a curveball on because. Um, I'm mischievous like that. I said, uh, um, you know, Oscar Wilde said, um, all art is useless. You know, so where does that leave martial arts? When I use the term, I mean, when I use the term martial arts, when I use the term martial arts, I, I am incredibly generic with it. I have to say, I am okay. not. It's one, of the, it's one of the rare cases when I am not um, a, a stitch counter. I'm not, I'm not a bean counter. You know, when it comes to that with martial arts, because I'm going, because... I see too many exceptions to the rule. You know, you know, you know. Somebody will mm. say to you, you know, you know. Someone will say to you, okay, well, it's a military art. It's got to be an art that's been practiced by the military. And I go, well, that's, you know, that's rubbish because, you know, any art, you know, can end up in the military. It can be part of the, you know, it can be, you know, you can, sure. you can, um, you know, you can have a, you know, a pool or, you know, a snooker club in the military. Do you know what I mean? Does that make it a martial art? You know, it's practiced, but you've got the armies, you know, the armies versus the navy. You know, I'm having a darts cap championship um, we might have the you know it's you know or, or a you know a, um you know uh if you look at um you know football you know both american and and british soccer you know if it, mm. you know, they, both, they both stem from a martial art they they stem mm. you don't get more martial than two tribes going at it beating the hell out of each other to get hold <laughs> of a, a <laughs> yeah, and, that, right. and that is the basis of it <laughs> and, 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 and you know it, 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 and that's where it comes from that's the root of it and the, and even to this day you know you've got you know countries like italy and russia who are going back to the roots of those sports you know and if you look at mm. you know australian rules football as well i mean you know that the martial side of it is definitely very much in there you know we have it um you know and rugby and all that sort of thing it, it just it's a real slippery thing i mean to, to, for sure. me it's just it, it's any combat system it, it, it is virtually to me I, i'll throw that net wide every any combat system and if somebody says well okay so is taibo a martial art you know this is the thing and i'm going well in some ways it is you know you know you, you know it, it, it it's, it's derived from you know it's combat systems it's derived from you could say it's a it's a it's a um, a discipline derived from a combat art, maybe. And, right. uh, but I was still, uh, it, 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 you know, uh, well, the movements, you know what I mean, like that. Right, you know, but, right. But, yeah, but what about what about you know Tulu, you know the, the the wushu forms, you know what I mean, you right. know competitive wushu forms, you know, you know that they've lost virtually all combative application in terms of that, uh, you know, unashamedly so. Um, you know, musical forms that you see, they're they're completely, you know, you know, they've lost all their combative application, most of it anyway. Well, yeah, so. it is interesting because everything you said with, I could absolutely get on board with. And when I'm when I am generally teaching, I, I'm very clear about defining, you know, I'm teaching movements right now. I'll teach the actions yeah. later. Right. And yeah, when I get sure. into the actions, now we're going to be working at uh, basically when I define martial arts from when I'm teaching one on one, it's usually uh, what I describe as objective ended. So there's an objective at the end of this and that yeah. it's action oriented so that we're going to yeah. be, you know, we're going to be trying to achieve. I have four basically that four objectives that I'm usually trying to achieve. And yeah. I'm going to use all of these means, which could be kicking, striking, punching, biting, tripping, yeah. sweeping, whatever, you know, to yeah. get to that objective. 
Right. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I would I would come in with you on that one. And say yes. Um, I would say then in that case, the, the defining thing is not by giving exemplifications of different martial arts, but but probably by intention. What is the intention behind the training? Because you could say, I, okay, so let me give an example. Okay, so I could say mm. a boxer size class, right? Okay, let's say a boxer size class. Is that a martial art? Now, a lot of martial artists will definitely come back. And, of course, it's not a martial art. Why? Because they're just doing it for fitness. They're just doing, you know, it's, an, it's, it's a form of aerobics that happens to our boxing movements. Which is just, you know, boxer size is the equivalent of Taibo. So it's the same thing. You go, okay, that's fine. Okay, so why why isn't it? Because they, you know, they'll, they'll be punching the air. Some boxer size classes punch pads. A lot of them do. They make it part mm. of their whole thing. Well, what they don't do, the one thing they don't do is they don't spar. Okay, <laughs> right. so, uh, yeah, okay, that's the one thing they don't do. They don't spar. Okay, you'll go, okay, well, they've got lots of calisthenic movements. Well, so does boxing. Okay, so mm. everything, the defining common thing here is really, is they don't spar. So you go, okay, right, so they don't spar. So you're, what, you're telling me that if something doesn't, if there's no sparring in your martial art, then therefore it's not, it's, it's, uh, it ceases to be a martial art, right? That's okay, right? So we're going to chuck Aikido out, unless it's Tomokai Aikido. We're going to chuck, um, you know, there's a whole bunch of martial arts. We can chuck Tai Chi out, you know, unless, unless they do engaging push hands sort of training. Do you know what I mean? There's a, there's, there's, mm-hmm. there's a whole host of and we, Ayudo, that can go right out the, out the window, can't it? You know what I mean? It's, it's, you know, it's, there's, there's loads of Aikido, you know, it's, they're, not even, they're not even supposed to be competitive, really. You know, they, mm. you know, there's a whole list of martial disciplines that you can go on and say, you know, okay, it doesn't have sparring in it. So, yeah, yeah. and I think most people would say, you know, and, you know, bear in mind, I'm coming from the point of view that, I, you know, as you know, I'm very, very, very pro sparring, very, very pro, pro yes, pressure yeah, testing. That's my preference. That's my bias. That's my own arguments. But we're talking about in terms of definition of martial art. It has to be intention. I think that's probably the, the one thing. I would say it's intention. You know, yes. so, you know, and, and if somebody's going to be really awkward about it, then I go and say, yeah, I'm willing to say a signal operator in the military is practicing a martial art. If his intention is to use that for a combative exercise, so be it. That's a martial right. art. You know, yeah. I'm willing to go that far. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at. That's, a, you know, and, I, and I'm open to other other concepts. And, you know, and I have a big sports background and, I've been, you know, and I've just recently been asked to be the uh, a high school assistant wrestling coach. I just spent. This past weekend, uh, being a uh, leadership instructor uh, through a challenge for a football team. So, you know, my background in uh, sports and generally the way I interpret it is that I use my sports background as developing the skills that help me utilize my martial arts. So, you know, I look at football as being, uh, you know, being collision oriented. You know, and being able to handle more than one thing at one time because, you know, I played offensive line. I played linebacker. If I ever focused on one player on that other team, I usually got crushed. Right. Because, yeah. I mean, it's 11. It's 11 guys on that side, not one. Right. And there's no. only one objective. And that's to bring that guy with the ball down. So uh, and absolutely on the other side is trying to take you out in the process. So, uh, yeah. It's funny, actually, because I've trained a lot of um, a lot a lot of my students, actually, funny enough, I had a disproportionate number of clients and students who have been either current or current or ex rugby players. Um, obviously, mm. rugby. Yeah. Yeah. Same rugby. same sort of way. Yeah. Yeah, it's that same route as American football. Same, same thing, you know. Um, over here, by the way, over, as you know, over here we always call American football because if you say soccer over here, we, people do say soccer over here, but it's not as you know, it's football's and the prevalent t- term that we use for football. So we often say American. To, but essentially, you know, to to the British, when they see American football, they 
uh, that they, they 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 associated more closely with rugby. You know, uh, okay. our sport. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Despite the fact that there's Australian <laughs> football as well, you know, which again, it's it's a similar, cl- a closer relationship, I would say, those three as opposed to soccer, you know, which is um, you know, football soccer. But because uh, this is, you know, and again, I'm very much into attribute training as well. So a- absolutely um, beautiful. Yeah, attribute. Yeah, absolutely. Go into something, uh, and there's a whole, there's a load of, there's a whole discussion on that. I mean, in terms of attribute training, people don't realize that actually self-defense techniques have been improved, uh, actually improved and developed. Um, but only by research into combat sports. You know, and how does that work? People would think, well, you know, can't people learn that through street fighting years and years? No, absolutely not. You actually, in an environment where you do have rules, where you do have restrictions, you end up developing certain skills that then can be then adapted and transferred and used to improve. So, yeah, that's another area altogether. But back to the absolutely. point. Now, when you look at football um, uh, or rugby, um you you see a sport where you know as you say you've got your, your whole objective is to take the guy down well the objective of the guy with the ball is to escape and he's mm-hmm. up against multiple opponents who are trying to who are trying to take him down and he can right. use defensive techniques to, to stop them right to push them away to move maneuver out the way to to palm them away to you know all, all this kind of thing in order to get to the finish line now in the beginning of my classes, you know, especially when I'm, I'm teaching self-defense, specifically self-defense, we learn tactical escape. It's, okay. it's almost identical. You know, is that, how is that not a martial art in terms right. of that? You know, and, and you've got a whole, whole martial art that it's root like parkour, which, you know, now is free running and, is, and everyone sees this as very much an acrobatic exercise and activity. Um, but its origins is supposedly a French martial art system of escape. You know, and this mm. is the most important thing that we teach people in self-protection. You know what I mean? And when you teach people sure. self-defense and when and you know, and even right down to the actual hard skills of self-defense. When I'm teaching kids self-defense, I, I teach children, I make it as realistic as possible. And uh, you know, that's again, that's one of my things that I'm known for, obviously. It's you know, to teaching realistic re- realistic self-defense techniques to children. Um, and we the first thing we learn is evasion exercises. The, a huge portion of their training is all about escaping. And even when they're actually learning fighting techniques, the fighting techniques always end with access the exit point. You know, you know, it's, it's, you know, this is a kind of thing like that. And, um, you know, and often even when I'm teaching adults, it's the same thing. You know, access the exit point, find the exit point, you know, mm-hmm. unless they're doing control and restraint. That's what that's what I'm teaching them. I'm teaching them, um, you know, because sometimes also teaching people how to, how, to, how to turn the switch. You know what I mean? You you know, we you know, your impact a pad, you know, a focus mid pad or or in a pressure test situation. You, they've got also got to understand when it's time to now get out, disengage. You know what I mean? Where to, to where they yes, just, yeah, yes. proportionate force to get out of a situation. But now, you know, n- now it's time to, and you can replicate that on a, you know, on a, like you duck on a focus mid drill, where you mm. where, where they can strike in the target. You know, you want them to repetitively strike the target as quick as, as often as possible with ma- with with maximum force. But once that target goes down, once that target is covered, they need to be able to switch off and get to the exit point, not to keep going. You know I mean? And that's a hard thing to get people who it's like once they turn the switch on, it's hard to get them to flicker it back. Yeah, which is a great which brings me straight onto something that I love teaching. Um, and it's very much a cornerstone of all of the things I do in my seminars, which is something I call the switch. For that reason, I call it the switch. And I make people do um, various exercises where, um, where where they learn to disengage at different. And you have to set different times. Like this is going to take, you know, 10, 10 shots, you know, and this is going to take three shots, you know, strike wise or 
the actual switch itself is an exercise which switches between sport and counter assault situation so mm. whether you're on the focus mitts or whether you're with a training partner um it's changing that dynamic because again you know one of the arguments that i've had you know in the martial arts world is and people have gone and said you know what's the difference between sport and self-defense and i go well self-defense can learn a hell of a lot from sport let's get that completely straight you know i'm not gonna mm-hmm. you know i'm not gonna any bones about this you know there's you know I, i'm not i'm definitely not of that you know um i i can't my my, my uh my actual, you know my reality-based self-defense if you want to use that uh, you know the tribal term for that um was born of martial artists who actually very much went into combat sports um to help re- uh, um, reintroduce um you know effective training methods for self-defense you know they they, mm-hmm. they came up with the likes of jeff thompson sure. you know they but then went off and got, you know, wrestling and boxing and judo, you know, coaching qualifications um, and then brought that back in, you know. Uh, you know and so, so, you know, this isn't from a, you know, this isn't from a world where there are people who've gone done traditional martial arts and then worked security or, done, or worked in the military and then mm. said, OK, what's informing what we do is often the path. You see, these are people who did, you know, they worked doors, they worked security, but they got a lot of their, their attribute training, so to speak, from from that side of it. So, um, yeah, so I'm very, very pro combat sports. Uh, as a form of attribute training or for self-defense training if you're listening program to find jamie's stuff you know you can look up club chimera c-h-i-m-e-r-a virtually on any of the social media and and be moved over toward his his lessons his says his books highly recommend his books for uh, self-defense of children really can open your eyes to he uses the phrase uh, pressure testing and uh, several other components uh, i would highly recommend it find him on on, on uh, twitter facebook amazon here in the uh, united states as well uh, but jamie we started this program i have to get ready to go down and have another lesson but i wanted to kind of review a couple of things that i've written down here for us today and that, sure. if you would you like to come back onto the program again another time i'd love to have you if you're willing to come back I would be very, very happy to come back on the program. It'd be, it's, it's a real pleasure. Uh, uh, because I feel like you and I are leaving. You and I could have some really good conversations. Uh, Definitely. Uh, on, uh, and dig into a few of these topics. But, you know, the first things is that uh, as review, if you're a martial arts instructor, gather yourself in a way to uh, be able to meet people in different places, uh, be able to train in a facility, be able to train outside. You're going to have your own preference, but so are your clients. And being able to be versatile is going to be a big part of your early success. Finding a voice. Jamie's primary voice that got my attention was his ability to write and his ability to tell the stories. You can follow his lessons plans. Even though you don't know who that student is that he's writing about, you can tell what that student did in that lesson and how they're improving across that process. It's a very important skill to be able to develop a voice of some kind, whether that's through videos or uh, Ando Merzwa has an excellent voice in what he does. Jamie, the other thing you mentioned was about uh, the ability to tell stories metaphorically relating to the individual, like the carpenter, and being able to transfer teachings and attributes to them through something that they're already familiar with. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, if you're planning to learn anything else, and develop like I had to develop a, a, a basis of sociology and, and anthropology and things like that, then you have to be prepared, like Jamie has described of what he, he has done in his writing, to extend your knowledge further than the martial arts. You've got to dig into something and get a academic understanding of what it is you're trying to understand. 
and where we were kind of finishing off here, which I would love to talk with you more about, is an operating definition if you need one. But in my mind, you do have to have something of what martial arts is to you today. Uh, for some people, they have a very traditional approach. It doesn't include weapon. For some people, it never includes sports. And I'm totally on board, as Jamie was saying, is that sports has its place. And you can learn a hell of a lot if you ever played football, if you ever played. I mean, like for me, I was a big wrestler. I wrestled for a lot of years. And when I got into Tai Chi Tuan, I'm, hey, I'm like, this is just <laughs> wrestling from a different country. I mean, I'm, I'm right at home. Um, yeah, and, uh, I, I have to say. I have to say, T.W., the uh, uh, um, wrestling of all the um, I didn't spend a lot of time in, in in wrestling, but I found it the most terrifying of all of all um, physical activities. <laughs> and, and that includes MMA training. That includes no holds barred self-defense training. And, and, you know, that's the thing about people talk about restrictions, you know, all that. Oh, when you've got restrictions, you've got more rules. It's it makes it less dangerous. Nonsense. When you're suddenly within an environment where you can't roll onto your back, you know, to, you know, to grapple when you're in an environment where everything is all about you know staying on your feet stopping people from t you know and the amount of things that would be considered like in uh jiu-jitsu that was doing like brazilian jiu-jitsu at the time that was doing but considered to be negative you know uh, in in wrestling you know and it became mm. terrifying it's going everything about this is all about one of us throwing the other <laughs> right up into the air <laughs> and it's all well. making sure that you no, there's no escape out of that so it's a uh, yeah yeah i have to say that um yeah out of all my experiences i say yeah a uh, huge respect to wrestlers because uh, yeah it, it was the scariest of all the uh the, the, the combat activities that i've, I've done <laughs> well and, and 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 it's certainly one of those things that i think you said beautiful in order to ever let anything go you have to first hold it you can't yes. let go of something that you never really possess and to possess something you have to cup your hands, for example, you have to be able to grasp it. And so yeah. when you set up rules, for example, for boxing, or you set up rules for football, or you set up rules for rugby, or whatever it is, you're setting a form that we're going to participate. We're going to hold this particular athletic endeavor and this competitive endeavor in this manner. And then eventually you get the attributes from that, and then you let it go, and it becomes a flourishing part of your martial arts. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, uh, uh, one, one of my um, one of the people who taught me, one of Jeff Thompson's uh, instructors, uh, Matty Evans, used to love the expression "learn learn the rules before you learn how to break the rules." Uh, and I thought you know, yes. that that very much encapsulates a lot of cross training uh, perspectives. You learn the rules first before you learn how to break them. Absolutely, because you, you can't learn to let them go until you embrace them a little bit, and then you know what the unrestricted means and then for me that actually helps me a lot like you were saying for folks when it becomes objective oriented there's some rules here you you know you yes. have you have to meet an objective but uh, i've got to run downstairs i can't wait to talk <laughs> with you again go uh, go no problem at all i look forward to it yes sir thank you again There was a lot of really good information in that particular episode. If you are a teacher or an aspiring one day to be a teacher, having versatility can give you opportunities to creating a bigger body of business, meeting people in different places, learning how to find a voice for yourself. You don't have to do what Jamie does. You don't have to do what I do. You don't have to do what Ian Abernathy does. But you do have to find a way to create a voice that means something to you and really learn to try to be really good at that one voice. 
after you've got that one voice down, then you can expand off into other areas. I encourage you to spread your message by marketing and with less advertisement. Get out there, meet people, see what you can do for people right around your corner, and that will help you just as much as anything that you can possibly do in the many years to come. You can be looking for the review on Mr. John Bluestein's book, The Martial Arts Teacher, coming out here soon. And I want to ask you to remember, trying to set aside some time each and every day to practice a little reading and a little storytelling. It'll make a big difference in the many years to come. If you'd like to support this program, get weekly updates and access to the full 300 and some odd pieces of content that's in the library, all you have to do is go over to patreon.com forward slash twsmith and you can sign up right there and get everything you want. Have a great practice today and I look forward to talking to you again real soon.